Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle-aged warriors, Chris Cimino and Rick Summers. Well, show 49, about to become in the books. Yes, we have a very special guest today and, and a, an interesting perspective and topic. You know, we, we look at today's world and where we are and there's all these precautions and safety things that, you know, from whether it's car seats, uh, you know, three seat belts, 14 masks, whatever it is we're doing, there was an era and a time where we grew up where a lot of that really was not in the forefront of our thinking. And our guest today, Sinia uh, Curran Finfer, wrote a book called Confessions of a Helmet-Free Childhood. Yay. <laughs> I love it. True-ish tale, true tales of an analog upbringing. Sin, I just want you to know that if I were going to write my book, it would be called Running with Scissors. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> or you lose an eye. Well, no matter yeah, what you do, you're right. losing an eye. So let's introduce Sinia Karen Finford. Thank you so much for joining us today from the West Coast. Yeah. This might be our first West Coast guest we've had here. On the uh, I'm honored. Uh, at least recently. No, I think um, our Josh Lewin was from the West was Coast. He, was he pulling yeah. the West Coast? There. How are things on the West Coast? Okay. Uh, getting warmer. We had a lot of wind, a lot yeah. of wind. I'm in the Coachella Valley, uh, land of the big music festival that's yeah. not happening again. Um, but uh, this is where a lot of snowbirds come. We get Canadians, we get East Coasters, but with COVID, we have a drastic reduction in population really um, which makes it nicer for me <laughs> but yeah. i think the local economy would like to see everything back up to speed yeah and hopefully hopefully soon enough so let's get into the book first of all what inspired you to come up with this was it something it was always in your head or did something trigger hey you know what i could write a book about this growing <laughs> up and what it was like well, I think we all have epic tales of our childhood. And, you know, when you get together with family, whether it's uh, 4th of July or Thanksgiving, you know, there are all those stories that you can't live down. So I, I had a fistful of those. And then um, I, my background is marketing communications. I've written for a lot of things. And I was sort of forced into an air pocket. We sold our house in Los Angeles and moved out to the Coachella Valley. And it's 115 degrees during the day <laughs> or in July and September. And dry heat, thought, don't worry. You know, um, <laughs> I should take advantage of this. So I uh, decided to write out these stories that I remember. And it started with a group of 20 and I culled the herd to 13. Mm. Um, but I didn't think I had the chops to make a novel out of it. So I decided to do each story as a self-contained adventure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it's in a semi-chronological fashion. But basically, these are stories that are personal to me, but I think they're really universal. We've all kind of lied our way in or out of something or um, had really bad judgment. <laughs> you <laughs> and, think? And we learn in real time. So but go ahead. that's called growing up though, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So take, take us through where, where were you? Well, first born and or raised or both. <laughs> okay. I, I was born in New York city and I Yay. lived in Portchester. I'm a native New Yorker. And then um, my dad was a finance guy. And it was that period of time in the sixties that if you changed jobs, uh, your new company took over your mortgage. And so my dad's like, let's go. So, oh, wow. Uh, we went for, I know, can you imagine such a thing? No. Usually it's like the jobs in Houston, get to Houston. Um, so we moved from um, New York to Detroit, from Detroit to Minneapolis, from Minneapolis to Cleveland, to Cleveland. God. Chicago. I went to five different grade schools and three different high schools. By the way, you named about five of the coldest cities possible. You could have been living. No wonder you're in Coachella. I have shoveled my last driveway. <laughs> <laughs> That's so 
early childhood. When when did you leave New York? You were still very young when you left. I was in uh, first grade, and it's sort of, I sort of carbon date my life from the moves. But yeah, first grade right. we moved from New York to uh, Detroit. So were any of those stories from there? From from they're point? all over. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think uh, looking at this, we really kind of pick up the action in Michigan because I think like first through fourth grade are very active years. You learn things, but by doing, shall we mm-hmm. say? And then right. uh, let's see. Fourth in my case, in Minnesota, and I then learned, sixth through tenth in Cleveland, and then tenth through twelfth in Chicago. I learned things by not doing, because I was told, "Don't do that." Yeah. The yeah. first two words I learned when I uh, finally was able to put a sentence together was, "It broke." <laughs> it broke <laughs> by it's itself. So it's a Ricky. What happened? What did you do? And I just look up with my big eyes and say, "I don't know. It, it broke." So give us a, a sample of one of the stories that we would find in there. And then what I'd like to hear from you is, is, is it something in rehashing that, that you realize it's still sort of part of who you've become today? Is there is there a story that relates that? Oh, sure, sure. Well, I mean, I, since we're all contemporaries, do you remember gnarly food fights in middle school? I mean, we used to have dreadful food really? fights. And oh, really? I mean, gnarly. And so one of my stories is that I took the fifth during a food fight. And actually, Kim might have been at that table. But we were just having lunch. And then some ketchup dribbles come over across from my back. And I'm like, uh-oh, first <laughs> oh, shot boy. across the bow, which then, like, you know, some ice cream cups went the other way. And then a Frito oh, bag, you know, and like, it's getting worse and worse. And then it's just a melee. And there's food going all over the place. And my girlfriends are either screaming or laughing, depending on whether they're getting struck with any of this stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're kind of watching everything go down. And I remember looking across the way and Bob, this really big guy you know there's that big strong guy in your grade he had an apple and he was wound up like a pitcher and he was darting around he was going to throw it and he wasn't really aiming at anyone but it was like one of those little rascal moments where you see the red dot coming at you faster and faster and faster and it struck me so hard it knocked me out of my chair oh my and, god and you know there was you know that that chorus of kids going whoa oh yeah that's <laughs> and then i can remember the screech of the uh the 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 cafeteria chair is getting out of the way. I mean, everything stopped then. That was sort of right. the, the, the end of it. And teachers coming and pushing chairs out of the way. And my girlfriend's dusting Fritos and, and half sandwiches off of me um, <laughs> as they pull me to a chair and say, okay, well, who did it? Who did it? I knew exactly who did it, but I did not say anything because mm. our eyes never met. And so to my way of thinking, he wasn't aiming for me. I was just mm. in the line of fire and I did not want the heat coming down on him. I was a little worried about retribution too, but yeah. more so I didn't think it was fair for all of it to land on this kid. So I said, I don't, man, I don't know. I just, you know, boom, I'm gone. And I still remember to this day walking down and I had such a shiner. I mean, I looked like a prize fighter <laughs> and I was walking down the hallway and Bob, the apple chucker was coming the other way. And he kind of snuck a look at me and he was horrified at how, I mean, I really had a black eye nice. and he didn't say he was sorry, but I could tell that he was pretty astounded at what had happened to me. I never had any trouble with Bob for the rest That's of the good. time. This reminds I, me I of- I paid at the office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I was a kid, we used to we used to have a neighbor that had crab apples growing in their, in their backyard. Sure. And I remember th- throwing crab apples at Michael Sheridan and Michael took a barbecue grill and held it up to block oh, the crab apple. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so he was hit with a spray of crab apple crap that sure hit the grill uh whatever happened to bob uh, well you know i don't know i'll have to, i'll have to look back and let you let you know but you know it's these personalities that get you know they're, they're they're almost like archetypes in your childhood i also had a situation where i stood up to a um a bus route bully 
And what mm -hmm. the best, basically the setup was my sister had a friend who was coming over. And so they were sitting in front of me and she was that really quiet bookish kid who gave nobody any trouble. And Herbie was sort of like the nasty little piece of work on the bus. <laughs> and he started teasing her for no reason, like everything, her hair, her skin, everything about her was, was bothering him. And I just kind of, you know, watched it until I could see from where I was sitting, a single tear streamed down her flushed face. Oh. And that just made me insane. So I said, leave her alone. And you know, and it's one of those things where you kid, you say something before thinking about yeah. it, like, oh, this is going to blow back my way. Yeah. And he says, what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, he goes, you want to fight about it? I said, yeah, <laughs> Again, bad idea. So we knew enough not to get in a fight on the bus because, you know, that's a whole other show. Right. And so we got off the bus and I remember him saying, okay, you know, kind of squaring off. And I said, I, I have to change out of my, I have to change into my play clothes because remember there were school <laughs> clothes and there were play clothes. Yeah. And I'm also from an all girl family. So I don't know how fights work. So right. I go home, change out of my little dress or whatever and put on a dance skin hat mock turtleneck and pull up pants and my pf flyers and trot down to sort it out with herbie and his oh, and we knew the the family because they had a uh, trampoline in their backyard and we're all allowed to use it so i don't know if i would have done this had i not known the kid at all but like i knew herbie so yeah. his high school uh brother answers the door and mark is way taller than me because i'm like in fifth grade right. and he's like in 10th grade so i'm like half his size so like hey Sonia, what's up i came to fight herbie it's <laughs> like you came to fight Herbie. He knows what it's about. So, and Absolutely. and as I'm looking through the screen door, I can see Herbie kind of lying on the rug, watching like the Flintstones or some other right. afternoon <laughs> TV fair. Right. And he's completely forgotten about it. And he looks and goes, "Oh God, you know, Cynthia." So he comes and and of course Mark thinks this is hilarious. You know, this little miniature, you know, yeah. rock'em sock'em robot's going to happen on the front yard. So Herbie brushes by his brother's slams the door in his brother's face, stomps off the concrete, you know, steps onto the yard. And I remember thinking like, oh, thank God, this is gonna go down on the yard and not the concrete steps, okay. Mm. And again, I'm from an all girl family, so I don't know how this works. And so we're kind of squaring off and I'm figuring, okay, I guess I wait till he does something and I figure I'm gonna like get a punch to the face or get <laughs> pushed down or something. <laughs> and that'll be over. And, you know, he's obviously weighing his options and he probably realized that like punching a girl out on his front yard was not gonna be a good Not look. cool, right. not cool. And it's gonna get back to his mom and it's gonna right. get back to my mom and it's a whole thing. So he just leaned into me and said, get off my lawn, bitch, and walked away. <laughs> wow. That was a big bad word in fifth grade. Yeah. But I was so relieved because it's yeah. done. And well, I stood I my ground. And what I was thinking about, if that happened now, and I'm sure it does happen now, yeah. we didn't have the social media uh, la layer. This was up, uh. over, and out. We had our little kerfuffle. You know, he went his way. I went my way. He sure didn't bother Liz anymore on the bus um, because he had lost face with Squeak, pipsqueak here standing up to for Liz. Um, but I think so that's what I kind of think these stories are about. These are universal things and I'm sure kids still navigate, but it went down a whole different way. What I find curious about that, that story though, and especially only fifth grade, but that neither one of you, although it seems like maybe he finally realized, you know, guys don't fight girls. girls? Like, like that, <laughs> that was almost in my head from as early back as I can remember. I would, how could you ever hit a girl, no matter how much she pissed you off? Yeah. You were mad at her. I think I, it was, I, I think it was the heat of the moment. You know, that was probably his reflection. You want to fight about it? Because like whoever challenged him, he would have said that. And then he probably guess, was like, yeah. gulp. oh, it's a girl who just said that. <laughs> I kept waiting for your story to end uh, where he said, get off my lawn. 
that you hauled off and <laughs> knocked oh, him I know. out. In my dreams, yeah. I yeah. Like, did a whole like kung fu thing and like, you know, rendered him defenseless. And so, and then the entire school bus route walked by and applauded, you know, but right. no, that's not Yeah, right. <laughs> and then I Clint, woke up. <laughs> maybe Clint Eastwood, is that where you got that line from? Get off my yeah, lawn. You know, <laughs> I think it's just the thing. I I would say that my my Irish mouth has gotten me in and out of trouble more than I can imagine. And I think it's the thing is we all have our tipping point. And the thing was, is that, you know, I got teased on the bus too, but when this kid, when mm. he brought her to tears, that just, yeah. that was too much for me. So getting into some of the stories now, as you become a teenager, were there stories oh, there? Oh, that... well, you know, <laughs> well, you don't want to so talk funny. about My those. high school friend said, how are you far? We, we kind of top off at about eighth grade here. Okay. Um, and, 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 and I'm paid handsomely to keep it there. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet there are some beyond. So, so really this only covers really up until about eight by pre-high school, yeah. these stories. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of things about safety, when you think about, you know, look, I was in a car, I don't know about Rick as a kid, yeah. seatbelts were the thing that were tucked out of sight behind right. the seat. Right. Uh, they were noises. Yeah. There, there were no, I mean, they I would crease your clothes. <laughs> I would sit in the middle between my parents in the front seat. Like, I don't, it's, it. it or know, lay on the back in the sun. Yes. Off the back seat. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, like a I mean, cat. What kind of, are there any stories that you can relate to where you felt like, I don't know, I, I was, was I mindless doing these things? You know, no, well, I nearly scissors? set the house on fire when Ooh. setting up the fondue. Remember when fondue was a big thing? Oh, sure. Um, my parents had a fondue kit. It was a big fancy deal if we could do that. And so I'm one of four girls. So my mom would say, like, okay, you, pour the water, you set up the plate, blah, blah, blah. Sitting at, could you get the um, starter for the fondue? Now, you know, there's a little sterno cans, but my dad right. being an inventive soul, mm -hmm. I found that there was a certain solvent that burnt just like um, sterno. So he had like, you know, a half gallon thing in the, in the linen closet. So I went to get it. Well, the thing was, I didn't read the label. There was, there was lacquer thinner and shellac thinner and whatever oh my I grabbed God. was wrong, but oh it, like it had the same blue green label because it was oh from the same God. company. Oh and boy. so I just grabbed it poured it in, you know, and my, my mom got a phone call in the middle of dinner or, you know, it was just the four of us and the phone rang and she's, she wanted to take the call and she had the long cord mm -hmm. oh, yeah. phone in the kitchen. And so she could pull it all the way to the dining room, sit down and have a chat while we're having fondue. <laughs> oh, <boy>. so, <laughs> you know how fondue flames are supposed to go. They're just supposed to lick the bottom of the bowl. And, you know, mm. when you put things in, well, the <laughs> flames are getting bigger and they're like sort of encasing the, the fondue pot. And we're like, yes. uh, mom, uh, uh, the fondue flames are getting kind of high. And she's like, oh, just, you know, the damper. You've got too much air, just shut it. Into and that should work. So we did that. Nope, it's getting bigger. Oh. And like, the smoke is also burning black. You know, oh my God. Sterno burns clear. We're like, mom, mom, this is not good. And I can remember, you know, you've got those movies in your head. My mom coming around on the phone to her head, you know, eyeballs <laughs> like this, like a silent movie star drops the phone and runs forward. Remember how we used to have canisters of flour and sugar and mm -hmm. whatever on the thing? Grabs the the flour and sugar. Smart woman knows that water is not the, the thing for this right solvent. For that. Yeah. Takes the, the sugar and flour and goes and puts it out. Wow. Oh, I thought maybe she made cookies around the entire <laughs> kitchen. And once that settles and she kind of gets her act together, she says, Who loaded the, the fondue kit? Me. Uh -oh. <laughs> Show me what you used. And she's like, oh my oh. God, you know, so my punishment was I had to help clean up the kitchen. Well, water and flour, not flour over everything. You try to clean it up with a sponge. I was there for hours. <laughs> oh, so well, yeah. 
And those were before the days of good old shop facts and, you know, exactly. Uh, no, no this was like the, and she was probably pissed because it was like the Hoover was going to get all gummed up in the flowers. Oh, bad. yeah. Well, the fact that the kitchen was still in place as <clears throat> well as the rest of the house, that's a that's a good story. Ultimately, the way it ended. Yeah, it could have been gone. It could have gone really, really bad in terms of reviewing some of the stories in your head. Which one in particular resonates that you feel like you learned something from that story that continued with you through your life? It made you into the person you are today or or you had to use it maybe as an adult. And a better well, mother. I, okay, I would say even going back to the food fight, I think I've always tried to be a person to take a step back and just have a little distance with something. And mm -hmm. my sense of justice, even in middle school was like, this guy was not aiming for me. If he was like, and you know, aimed it at me, that would be right. a whole other set of circumstances. And that carried forward as a mom when um, my son was in grade school and they were playing flag football and a kid missed a shot and he took off his, his flag belt and went like, you know, slapped it down, but he caught my kid, my son on the neck and like oh. left a mark. Yeah. And it hurt, it hurt to the point that he, it, to tears. He came home looking like he'd been whipped. And I said, what went down? And he said, well, you know, this kid got mad and blah, blah, blah. I said, I have a really important question. Was, what, did he, hit you or did he get mad and you got in the way? And he said, he got mad and I got in the way. I said, well, it's still not okay. We don't throw sports equipment because people got hurt and you get hurt. But we had to sit down with the parents of the other boy and we talked about it. And I, and I acknowledge, look, I understand from Scott, you, you didn't intend to do this, but you hurt somebody and mm. you've got to watch it. When you get mad, I'm sorry, you missed the point, but look what happened. You know, that's really, um, a great lesson is the fact that taking responsibility, even though you didn't necessarily intend, doesn't mean you can't raise your hand and say, I did this. And uh, it happened on my watch. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And as a mom and, and as a parent, uh, many, you, you tend to get very, you know, de defensive of your child sure. and protective of your child. So you immediately strike, who did this to you? And you want revenge, you know? Right. But I think. I think it spoke to the person you are even going back to that fifth grade story. You're exactly right. I think most, uh, especially young girls would have said he did it because just out of the fear and the panic of just being struck by this apple and you saw who did it, maybe right. you wouldn't have evaluated. Most people wouldn't sit there at, in fifth grade and go, yeah, but you didn't really look me in the eye. So maybe it was accidental that it was me. I just happened to get in the way of it. I think most fifth graders would see themselves as the what? victim. Hey, we want to give a brief second to talk about one of our sponsors, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, you're going to be able to find the exact shoe you've been looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop that pair you've been looking for. I want to cop a pair or two with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Careful, big yeah, boy. Yeah, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. That's a team of experienced sneaker authenticators that verify the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. I think they even do a background check on these sneakers. <laughs> Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and... It also protects sellers with a verified return process. Yeah, check this out. For sneaker sellers, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers 100 bucks or more, making it free, yep, free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers. That's ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection.
don't paint me as Mother Teresa because I'm no, not. I'm not. <laughs> I also think it's family dynamics. I'm number two of four girls. Mm. And so sometimes it's every man to, or every lady for themselves. Sometimes it's two against two. Sometimes against three against one. And I think if you have brothers and sisters, you know, sometimes you take it for the team. Like you tell your mom and dad, you did something that your sister totally did because ah. well, she's got something on you. Right. <laughs> you know? And so I think that's part, there's more dynamics to it. The thing that I think is really important when this goes down with kids is the first question should be, is what happened? Because if you walk in and you see somebody punch someone in the face, you're like, wow, that's awful. But right. you don't know, maybe that other kid was needling them for weeks. And yeah. the other one, not that it makes the punch in the face okay, but it puts it in context. Sing, can I pay you a compliment? And that is, if I were ever going to be on a jury, I mean, I, uh, I'd be on trial yeah, you want to be in a jury. I would want you and well, people like you. you to be on my jury because I think, you know, we're so quick uh, to jump to conclusions. And, uh, you know, we see it in every step of the way, it, especially with news media and whatnot. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I agree. It's, when most of the world is gray, it's treated as black and white. It, you know, apparently yeah. everybody has to be on a side. It ain't that simple. <laughs> it never is. Absolutely. Absolutely not. So uh, where can folks, first of all, get this book? It, it was out in what, 2020? You just put it out in 2020? Yeah, well, I, I had the wonderful timing of publishing in January of 2020. Was <laughs> and then some other stuff happened. So yeah. just like everything else. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I'm available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, uh, Target. And I also did it um, in all four formats because people uh, mm. digest books differently. So it's an audio book, it's an ebook, it's a paperback. And it's a hardbound. I would say the hardbound is sort of my couture line. If you, it is just how it was fully configured and conceptualized. But um, I also read the book. You know, I, I read the uh, audio book, which I oh, have did. a new abiding respect for how hard that is. Oh my goodness! Writing for the page versus writing for for broadcast is a whole different thing. And sure. also, you know, just getting all the words out and you know saying things crisply. And still not sounding like a robot, that's a challenge in and of itself. It is. And you know what? And uh, my wife, who does audiobooks, uh, says to me often, <laughs> not worth it. Um, though, you know, people are making a pretty good living off it. But the other thing is that reading and being eloquent in delivering whatever it is you wrote on an audiobook, people tend to do it at the end of the day you know, oh, I'll do it after work when I get home. <laughs> and they've worked all day and they're beat to hell. And yeah, then you get home really and try and do this. Technical considerations as far as room noise and things. And if you do it in a lot of different takes, it starts yeah. sounding like a mess. So you oh, really absolutely. have to nail your butt to a chair and get through most of it in one sitting, which is a challenge. And I think the thing about it too, I know personally, I feel like I read in my own voice. You know, I, I'm reading, when I read a book, I'm reading exactly. in my voice, in my head, the way I think these words are translated. Now that's been taken when it's an audiobook that's taken away. It is solely right. up to the person who's delivering it now. So I agree. that's got to be a challenge. That's a little one to ask you, how's middle age treating you? You know what? I just had a big fat birthday in November and I'm fine with it. Good. <laughs> and I think the thing, I think the thing that uh, I, I'm surrounded by very vibrant retirees. I mean, really like, you know, repelling and parasailing and really alive people. And I wow. think the thing that's great is people are kinder. Um, you know, you could chat someone up at a party and it's very easy. You don't have the sort of the, um, 
you know, the, the social stuff the pretensions. you navigate in your twenties and thirties. And when, when you have children, that sort of a, is a uh, commonality and you, you know, it's a point of departure with other people. But the thing that I really like is people don't say, what do you do? They're like, what do you like? Mm, right. what, do you, what are your interests? What are, and it's so nice to not be defined by that. What I'll hear is, you know, I'll meet this nice lady and she seems super nice. And then I find out, oh, well, I was the CFO for um, Walt Disney California Adventures. Okay, mm. that's a freaking huge job. Right. But she's just Marilyn in my swim class. Yeah. But you, so you think that's really just something that comes with age and time and mm. all of that other pretentiousness sort of wears away. Well, I think we do a great disservice in America being so um, youth crazy. And mm. it breaks my heart to see women of my age. And I'm 60, born in 1960. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, 2021. I'm going for my 61st birthday. And, you know, right there with you, all the facial changes and the plastic surgery. And I live next to a 97 year old woman who it lives by herself, pays her own bills, walks her dog every day. She lives a quiet life, but I'm, I look at her and I'm like, okay, I've got my new, I've got my new threshold. I don't want to be 27 for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. There's something wonderful about being that interesting older woman. And what's really great is people treat you with a lot of respect. You really have to be a jerk to hassle <laughs> a woman of 60. <laughs> you really have to be a jerk. Going through what we've gone through, um, socially globally for the last 12 plus months aren't you glad you're not that young I don't want to say young but I would hate to be a college kid right now going through everything that we've gone through um, medically financially and everything else aren't you glad you're the age you are well You know, I can't sit too comfortable because I have kids in their 20s. I have nieces and nephews in their 30s. And the people that I really, my heart breaks for are the people who graduated in 2008, who graduated to the financial collapse. And now they're in the 30s and they've been handed this. I mean, that's two big big reversals um, in their adult life. And they'll get through it. You know, every generation has their stuff. And in fact, when 9-11 happened, one of my friend's mother's took me out to coffee. She said, well, welcome to your first catastrophe. Your mm. generation has had it so easy. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, the, these are things that we have to navigate and life isn't this linear progression up and up and up and up. Right. Um, but I think the thing is, is that there, the gift of this is clarity. You find out who really cares about you. You find out what's really important to you and you trim your life down. And, and I, and, and, you know, not that saying I haven't had my dark moments, but I think any kind of setback the gift is clarity no I, I agree and i think you know for me rick tends to you he always goes back to this feeling this pandemic in this past year is more harmful to younger people for me personally also i'm approaching the big six oh very shortly and i i feel there aren't that the bottom line is if you just do the math we're in the back nine we're we're well into the back nine you know, there, there's no, you can't make up time. It, right. it is what it is. And so for me to spend a year where just leading up to this, I was really discovering in the last three years, four years, travel and being able to see the world and, and grow in so many different ways. I was stifled for this year. And, and I sort of go, well, I don't have that many more left, you know, per se, uh, where I'm still in the health I am and I can go and do the things I would right. love to do. So Perfect I'm game. angry and frustrated. And I feel like if I was in my twenties and thirties, there's plenty of time ahead, you know, yep. I'll, I'll yeah. get 
I'm not, I'm not sure I feel that way as you were so eloquently explaining. Um, Sin, how about for your kids? I mean, well, I, what I said, my son just graduated from college and like it was terrible because he was interviewing and then everything screeched to a halt. Um, he took a look around and said, you know, like, it's not happening for me here. And he was doing online uh, tutoring and he decided to pursue an ESL job in uh, Korea and nailed his ass to a chair and got conversant with Korea, wow. Korean. And he's he's off. And I said, that's fantastic. And that's welcome amazing. to the rest of your life, because you could sit there and go like, gee, I was supposed to get this fancy job and I should have mm -hmm. an apartment and a car right about now. Right. But, you know, life is what it is. And I think I said to him, look, this is going to serve you for the rest of your life. There's life as you hope it will be and there's life as it is mm. my daughter is a junior in college so she has one more year so the world will sort itself out but i said just look at your brother there's no guarantees here you know in college you get to pick your class you get to pick your professor when you get out of college you got to get picked so you've got to get your you got to make your place at the table so i think she's watched what he's done and sort of absorbed it um but i think again i, I think if I've had friends who've had their butts handed to them. I mean, they were restaurateurs, they owned yeah. hotels, they were self-employed and combination of AB5, which makes being a 1099 person in California very difficult. And this, you know, you did nothing wrong. It's just what you do was savagely impacted by this. Um, but, you know, you're, you're entitled to be upset, but then you've got to regroup and figure out what you can do with what you've got. Yeah, resilience is clearly the word. And, and maybe... You know, I had this discussion with my, you know, 86-year-old mom a couple of weeks ago. She is not a fan of change. And, you know, you're 86 years I old. I think it's pretty universal. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. but to me, the best lesson you can learn is, is accepting and realizing, as you just had said before, you know, assuming things are going to stay the same is a big mistake. You have to understand, even as you may be in a real sweet spot in your life, it's not probably right. going to last forever and change right. is coming. It could be bad change, good change, mediocre change, but change is coming. The ability to adapt and be resilient. That, those are the things and the skills we really need to learn. Well, as we're contemporaries, I remember in, in 1997, when the internet started to happen, um, I had my first kid and I went on maternity leave and went to a thing about the internet, www. You know, okay, let's get it all down. And I, I remember be, being very anxious going, oh my God, this is a game changer. I'm in marketing, public relations. This changes everything. The train is leaving the station. Crap. I, you know, and of course I wanted this child and I wanted to do a good job on that too, but I'm like, how is it going to, how is this going to work out? <laughs> right. And as it turned out, it was really low hanging fruit because, you know, my basic thing is marketing communications writing. Well, everybody needed a website. I've been writing press kits for seven years, a website and a press kit from a content standpoint are the same thing. I had the best five years of my life. Um, and then, you know, social media started happening. Okay, game changer, I'll figure this out, I'll figure this out. And so I said to my kids who like, you know, just roll their eyes at my technical ineptitude. I said, eh, just you wait. You're gonna have a paradigm shift that you're gonna have to navigate. And, you know, and sometimes it's just too much of a game changer and you gotta say, you know what? All right, I had a good run. What are my, what is my skill set? And, you know, exit stage right. It's called um, Confessions of a Helmet-Free Childhood. And it sounds to me like it's good that you didn't wear the helmet because <laughs> a lot a lot of great stuff is- You needed those shots in the head, Sonia. Yeah, and a lot of great stuff build. is seeped in there. And I'm glad that you had time to share it with us today. This was totally fun, guys.
And best of luck moving forward. Anything uh, in the works in particular you want to talk about or share? Well, it's uh, well, it's funny. Um, we're I, I'm in, in heavy negotiation regarding what we would do with the high school years. The working title is Pusecomb Dope Cash. Ah, okay. <laughs> but we'll see if we go there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to that. We'll look forward to seeing that down the road. But uh, good luck with this book in particular. And again, Thanks. Uh, stay safe, stay well out there, enjoy the warm weather. And can you send some of that east, please? I'm working on it. I'll get it to you in, in two Sydney. weeks. Finfer, thank you so much for your time. It's great to talk to you on Middle-Aged Warriors. Okay, bye-bye. Well, that was fun, and that was a a little uplifting. And, you know, it's interesting to reflect on our childhood and see how it plays out in our middle age and then some. So uh, she had some great Listen, I remember being a kid and ringing people's doorbells and then running away and hiding. You were you were a punk. (laughs) That's that's rough stuff. Oh, we were. It was rough stuff. But I also remember one of my neighbors who used to get dried grass, put it in her shopping cart, light it on fire, and then push it down the street. See, now, how old were you when you were doing those things? Uh, Roughly. 28. <laughs> 28. That was just last week, by the way, I was doing yeah. that to my neighbor. But no, but her stories, you know, in the particular book that she, uh, that Cynia has out now, are basically just, you know, grade school level. Yeah. I think my stories, for me personally, that were really funny and... They came in my teen years when I right. really had a little more freedom to do things. You know? did, did you have a driver's license and stuff when you were... I was a very late driver. You yeah. know, in New York, you can get around by anything, cars, buses, trains. But uh, I was late. I, I didn't get my license until I was 21. Yeah. I had other friends who at 18 uh, had their license and driving around. There was one story in particular that I remember. We had one friend uh, who you know I'm still friends with. He's actually a chef now. And he went by the name of Frenchie. And for whatever reason, I don't know, he was always uh, at the butt end of the joke most of the time, what we decided to do. And there might have been some things that alter your way of thinking that were involved in this particular story. And I was with a couple of other friends. Most of my friends were Irish, and those were the ones that got me in trouble. They were the fun ones. No, Uh, but I don't. the electric company, Con Edison, here in New York... They would have these large, they look like large, I mean super large spools of thread, but that's what their cable would be wrapped around. Right. They were literally eight feet tall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so not too far from his home, this Frenchie, there was this empty spool that they had put on the side of the road that I guess they had done They're made out of wood, right? Made out of wood, exactly. Yeah. It looked like a large wooden spool of thread, only the thread was now off. And we thought... Wouldn't it be, be great fun. if we roll rolled this it. to yeah. his house? <laughs> we rolled it up to the front door and just left it. Sorry. And, then, and the next morning he gets up and said, the strangest thing is some, some idiots pushed this thing. Again. Some idiots. <laughs> it's like, I wonder that's who, us. oh, that's, you know, that's, that's us that's indeed. But, you know, the, the stupid things that we would think were funny and, and, the, and you know, is relatively harmless at least. But, you know, it, it's, it's like... Uh, why did you climb that mountain? Because it was there. It was there. Yeah. 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 And that's that's kind of what, you know, being a kid is. Well, yeah. With too much time on your I, I hands. I was going to say, adolescence also means you have a lot of extra time in your hands to get, yeah. get yourself into trouble. But it was great hearing uh, Cynthia's story. Yeah, it really and was. I, I do look forward. She kind of she teased that she may be writing a book about the high school years. Yeah. You know, that always gets a little more uh, tedious when you get into high school because there are some things that obviously now mm, socially... It could be a little more than just saying I got hit in the face 
with an apple that was thrown in yeah. a food fight. You know? <laughs> but, but we'll see. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, and thank you for bringing her to us. Oh, right? she's great. And I, actually, I want to thank uh, my friend Kim, mm-hmm. Kim Agle, um, who I went to college with many, many moons ago because she's the one that really put the pieces together. She was listening to one of our podcasts, well, and then she sent me an email and said, I think Sinium, a friend of mine from childhood, would be a great guest. Well, that's great. And I said, great. So if anybody else has any ideas, please let us know. Pass them along. It's Sinia Curran Finfer, the book, Confessions of a Helmet-Free Childhood. I love that. Truish Tales of an Analog Upbringing. So again, Not Sinia, Jewish, but so Truish. Truish. <laughs> I almost said that, yes. With that, uh, until next time, guys, sunshine always. Stay safe. Stay well. He's Chris. I'm Rick. Be good. Feel good. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. And we'll catch you again soon on Middle Age Warriors. Strike up the band. The band. The band. Oh, there they are. Hey, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. Preferably five stars. No begging. Uh, We're available also on your favorite directories. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.